Hi there, welcome to the Creative Pod, a podcast where we talk about photography, painting and creative writing. If you're into any of these, then you come to the right place. I'd like to thank the weekend photographer at shishirratanart.com. Need a photographer, original abstract art on canvas or want to read a blog? Head over to shishirratanart.com. Website and social media links are in the description. All right. So today we have Todd Sullivan as a guest on the Creative Pod. Uh, this is going to be rather interesting as we would be talking about some interesting bits about publishing. I would now like to welcome Todd. Please go ahead and uh, you know give a brief intro about yourself and uh, let's take it from there. Okay. Thank you for having me. My name is Todd Sullivan and I'm currently living in Taipei, Taiwan. And I'm a writer here. I write uh, fancy fiction and horror fiction. So where are you from originally, Todd? I'm originally from America and my hometown is New Orleans, Louisiana. So uh, what brings a guy from New Orleans all the way to, you know, Taipei, half a world across? Well, actually, I before I moved to Taiwan, I was living in South Korea for 10 years. Uh, and then Taipei is uh, uh, Taiwan is actually the second country I moved to and work in. So it was um, I'm from New Orleans. I moved to Atlanta. This is in America also. Mm-hmm. I was there for 10 years. I moved to New York. This is also in America, of course. Uh, I've lived there for mm-hmm. three years. And then after that, I, I moved to South Korea and now I'm here in Taiwan. Wow, so you've traveled quite a bit and you know, uh, this this one thing that I believe that the more you travel, the more your mind opens up uh, to new ideas and you know, new perspectives about life because you know, uh, coming from any country, even let's say now for example, I'm from India and I just moved to a neighboring country, I'm sure I've learned some things about humanity, about you know, creativity and ideas that would not have been where wherever i was coming from before we get to the main topic you know it would be interesting for the listeners to know uh, about what are those one or two interesting things that you came across uh, as you moved around even within america and then to you know taiwan and uh, south korea one of the interesting things is how similar yet different people tend to be because everywhere you go people are basically have very similar concerns about family and you know uh, religion and you know trying to be successful trying to be happy so those things are very similar mm-hmm. but then the way in which they chase it is that's where the nuance and the differences come in at and so definitely living in america and living in south korea and living in taiwan it's interesting to see how overall everyone has very like the very similar things in which they care about but mm-hmm. the way in which they go after these things or where the differences come in at that's a really good perspective and you know i like the fact that you put it that there are certain things that are so similar and yet you know the way we chase it is so different and and i think that is the crux of humanity right a lot of people uh, you know migrate from one place to the other the dreams are the same uh, but then how we go about it is always different so that's amazing and you know uh, i know that you have published a few books so let's talk about that a little how has your travels how has your experience you know colored the kind of books that you've written the, the kind of work that you do uh, my two novella series are, are currently available both take place in korea 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how that influenced it. Like the the characters in the novella themselves are Korean, mm-hmm. and the themes are a fusion of Korea and then Western American culture and ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my living in these countries had a very direct uh, impact upon. Uh, where I wrote and how I wrote it. So that would be, uh, you know, really interesting to read, like, you know, different perspectives. So uh, what are the books, uh, like, if you would want to name them uh, for our readers, uh, listeners? Right. So the fantasy series is called The Windshine Chronicles. And the first one for The Windshine Chronicles, which came out last December, I believe, is mm-hmm. called Hollow Man. And then the second one for The Windshine Chronicles, which came out May of this year, is called There Will Be One. And then for the horror novella series, uh, the first one came out, uh, I believe, in December, uh, November, December of last year. And that one is called Butchers. And then the second one, which came out, uh, I believe in April of this year, is called The Gray Man of Smoky Shadows. So those are two uh, novella series I'm currently working on. Where would, uh, you know, our listeners would be interested to check out your your works? Where can they go and, you know, uh, get some of it or, or even buy them? The easiest, the absolute easiest place uh, is Amazon. Uh, like, Different countries have their different websites. Probably find it there also. You know, Korea has their own, uh, Taiwan has their own, Japan has their own, I'm sure India has its own. But really the easiest and most reliable place to find it is Amazon. And Amazon is worldwide, so that's the easiest way. So are these only like e-books or can we like get it like a hardcover or a paperback? No, they are also uh, hardcover books. They are both e-books and hardcover books. And they have beautiful covers, so it's also a collector's item. They're really great covers. And they normally say, don't judge a book by its cover. But then, you know, I love reading and uh, I, I always look at the cover myself. Because to me, you know, it's it's kind of unfair to say don't judge a book by the cover. Because the perspective I'm bringing here is that there is an artist out there who has really thought through what the content is all about. And, you know, manifests that imagination into a work of art that becomes a book's cover. It could be simple, it, it could be complicated, and like you said, it's a collector's item. So there has to be some effort that has to be respected. And, you know, it's like a reflection of what's within the book. So tell us about, uh, you know, your experience with having, you know, your books getting published. How did you go about it? Uh, what are the interesting bits that you know you came across during that whole process? So I first started trying to get publishing, meaning I first started submitting my writing when I was about 18 years old and I had just started university. And from 18 years old until 35, actually I got nothing but rejections. So I got rejections for more than, uh, more than a decade. I didn't get my first story published until around 35 years old. And that was, I, that was actually a short story. And for 35, 36, 37, 38, I had mostly, I had only short stories published. And then around 39, 40, I'm 42 right now, I had novelettes published, which is kind of like a, like a long short story. And then after the novelettes got published uh, around 41 years old, 40, 41 years old, I got these novellas published. And novellas are basically short novels. So the novellas are usually about 100 to 150 pages long. So that was my process. My process was starting off with short stories and then moving to novelettes and then moving to novellas. And then the next thing I'm writing now will probably be kind of like a 
a dwarf novel. Uh, it's still considered a, no a novella, but it's actually going to be significantly longer than the novellas I've already written. So it's going to be like almost, almost a novel. And I think maybe in the next two years, I will only be producing novels. So I like the journey that you had. Like you started small, faced a lot of rejection, like you said, for a long period of time. Ten years, you said? Uh, from 18 to 35. So more than wow. That's a long, <laughs> right. that is a long yeah. duration to, you know, face rejections. You know, the key thing is that you kept at it. You started small though. And then you moved, uh, you got bigger and bigger. And I think that's a good takeaway for anyone who's actually interested to, you know, begin writing. Because I see a lot of people who say, hey, I'm writing a novel. And then you check with them out a few months and they'll be like, hey, I just left it. Because, you know, they aimed uh, too high, too big, which was like impossible to achieve. Uh, instead of probably trying to start small and then sort of go from there. But then again, you know, people do say that, you know, dream big, dream the unachievable and you'll probably reach somewhere. What do you, what do you say to that? I'm a big believer in one step at a time, actually. Uh, like I'm also big in exercise. I do a lot of martial arts. And, you know, for martial arts, you, you start off uh, at the lowest level and you slowly move up over time and you just dedicate yourself to it. But that's just my, you know, and I'm also a big walker. I enjoy walking. So I can walk maybe an hour, an hour and a half, half two hours. I really am a big believer in one step at a time. So I would definitely give my advice to people who want to write uh, isn't to start big. I think starting with a novel, if you haven't really written much before, uh, is kind of productive. Uh, I always think start small, start with one page story, move up to a five page story and then 10 page story, but do it over time, practice a lot and you will just continue to improve. So that's my advice. That's perfect. Because, you know, I've been toying around with writing something myself and then I started off thinking, let's write something the size of a novel. But then I realized I just wrote short stories and just ended over there. But I must say that I am, you know, inspired by how you put it. Write with a one page story, you know, move on, build over it, five page, ten page. So that really gives one the feeling that, you know, you could still take those baby steps and, you know, achieve what you really want to do. Uh, so tell us, uh, Todd, when you were going about, you know, trying to get it published. So what is the you know most awkward or weird reason? Uh, for a rejection that you faced from you know any other publishing houses? Early on, I just think the, the writing itself, like, like I said, I started when I was 18. And the, an interesting thing about writing, which I don't think a lot of people really believe, but it really is something that I think you should do when you're older because you have uh, significantly more experiences. When I started at 18, I had just moved from my hometown. Uh, I was 18. Uh, I just right. graduated from high school, of course. And you just know so little, uh, know so little at that age. And so when you write something, I think, and then also when you submit things, generally the people who are receiving it are older. They've been in the business for a long time, but they're also just older in age. Right. And so there's things that 18, 19, 20-year-old person, person wrote, and they see the like maturity in it. I mean, and I think that was a problem. That was the issue uh, back at that time. It was just uh, a lack of maturity, a lack of really knowing just different things about the world and things like this. But as I continue writing, because I have, a, I have a bachelor's of arts in English and a master's of fine arts in creative writing. And so right. I did study and I came with some really great teachers, uh, great professors. But as I continue writing, I think the issue was that I was trying to write something that was very unusual and unique. 
because of subject matter. And I believe that became something that publishers didn't want to take a chance on. Uh, and that was, I think, why I got the rejection. So I think the first one is because of immaturity, my lack of maturity. And then the second reason is because I was writing stuff that was good. It was very new. It was very unusual. And unfortunately, people don't always like taking a chance on the new and unusual. That's an interesting point you bring up, you know, because for anyone who wants to start out, they would definitely think that, you know, how can I differentiate myself from the other guy? But then again, in the process, you know, sometimes it is possible that we might, you know, stumble upon something so different, so out of league with the current time that, you know, the publishers may not want to take a chance on it. Uh, because at the end of the day, publishing is just a business, right? Like, did you realize at that point of time that what you're trying to do is maybe, you know, too out of the norm? And what did you try to do to change it? Or like, you know, try to make something which is more publisher friendly, so to speak? Well, I didn't realize it, but I didn't do anything to change it, which is part of the reason why it took me so long to finally get published. Because I, I, <laughs> I kept doing what was unusual. And I just kept submitting. And over time, uh, eventually I got a hit, uh, acceptance. And one thing about publishing is that once you get the first acceptance and then the second and third, mm -hmm. honestly, the fourth, fifth and sixth start coming, come a lot easier. Uh, because now other people have seen that, well, other people have taken a chance on your writing. And so it becomes a little bit easier, but getting that first one is actually quite difficult, particularly for the kind of writing that I was doing. So I, didn't, I actually didn't change. I didn't change, I didn't try to become uh, less less unique in my writing or less different. I just kept at it. Uh, and it took a long time, but I just kept at it and eventually I found success. So you kept on, you know, believing in yourself and you had faith in what, you know, what you're doing is actually what you want to do and you didn't want to sort of change to anyone's whims and fancies or whatever was the norm at that point of time, which is really important because um, I think that's the essence of creativity. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I do. I think you have to, if you, if you have a vision that you believe in and that seems like it's going to be successful eventually, then you do need to keep chasing it. Now, I do caution about that because I've been around writers for a very long time now. Uh, even, like I started submitting when I was 18, but even when I was high school, I knew other writers uh, who were very interested in the, in the craft. But you can't just, you have to know how to be flexible. So you have to be flexible and you do have to listen to advice. But at the same time, if you have a vision that's very clear and that you're really confident it's going to work, you do need to stick to it while at the same time taking advice in order to make it better and more perfect. I really like how you're putting it, uh, Todd. And I really hope people listening to this will, you know, get inspiration and not, you know, sort of muddle themselves out or, or you know, just change their style for the heck of it. So uh, let's talk about uh, the first thing that got published for you, Todd. So, uh, you know, tell us a little more about that, your first publishing. So my first public, uh, my first published story was a short story, and it was for an anthology uh, called Tokyo Yakuza. And the reason why I got this story published was because when I was doing my Masters of Fine Arts, I did a winter semester in Tokyo. So it was about three weeks long, it was very short. And during that time, I studied Japanese authors and Japanese film. And so when I was around, again, that was, 2829 I was in Japan. When I was about 35, I saw that someone was trying to put together an anthology uh, that took place in Japan, in Tokyo specifically. And so I just had inside information on it. Uh, I just knew, I knew a bit about Tokyo at the time. And 
at that time I was also living in Korea and the cultures are kind of similar. And so I wrote a story and it was accepted. And that was my first public, uh, my first publication, uh, that story that took place in Tokyo. So was that like an online publication that you, uh, you know, did or was it like a hard copy or like where was it published essentially? It was published in America. The, the guy was actually someone who lived in Japan for a while and then he moved back to America. And actually he's living in Japan once again, but it was an anthology. It was actually a, a hardback anthology. You can also get the, uh, the ebook version of it. Uh, but it was an anthology, so it was a hardback book. From there, you know, you moved on to, you know, sort of novellas and novelettes. Um, so, you know, when you go about, like, let's say I'm, you know, someone who has written something. So what are those things that someone would have to keep in mind when approaching a publisher? One is persistence. Uh, you need to keep submitting because that's, I think that's the key to actually getting published is not giving up and being persistent. Uh, you need to also realize that Publishers are humans. They're just people on the other side of the on the other side of this. And I think that's actually quite forgotten by people who want to publish. Like they, they tend to hold up publishers on a on a pedestal almost. They think of them as something more, but they're just human. And so you need to just you know be persistent. Remember that these are just people. And yeah, I mean that's that's something that you need to keep uh, keep in mind when you are trying to publish. I liked your point, uh, Todd, when you said that, you know, they're just human and that is so true for anyone, you know, I mean, Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs, yeah, they are great people, but then they are still people, right? And they have their own quirks and, you know, their own little human things that we all do, but we just tend to, you know, like you rightly said, put them on a pedestal. Let's see from a publisher's standpoint. Now, here's a guy who's been, you know, bombarded quite literally, right, with a lot of uh, things that he has to read through or, you know, sort of understand and decide whether this gets published or not. So how do you think, uh, you know, such a person, like in your experience, such a person would be able to really latch on to what you're trying to, you know, put across to them? Because they might be saturated, right, with a lot of things. Then how do you sort of pitch in? Well, the interesting thing is that right now, my my horror publisher, Nightmare Press, uh, is going to have a an anthology that they're going to produce towards the end of this year. And I'm the editor for that anthology. So I'm the person who other people are submitting to right now. So I'm actually the person on the other side. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting how, how that has worked out. But I think, you know, what's really important for me is the writing itself. Uh, I do have an aesthetic, so there is something that I'm looking for in the writing. But A, what's really important is the opening. Uh, so many people have brief openings, and when you, as a publisher, are trying to go through a lot of material, weak openings are quickly forgotten. I mean, this is something that you want to have a very strong opening, a very strong first sentence, a very strong first paragraph. This is really important. Also important is you want to make sure that the ending is very good. I think that people can sometimes write a very good story, but then I think they just get impatient or they just want to finish it really fast. They get tired of writing it, so they kind of slap on the ending that doesn't really work. And so you need to have a very strong beginning. But take your time on the ending. Don't rush it. Uh, and just keep these two things in mind. And I think that's going to increase your chances of success in getting published. So the ending and the beginning is, you know, something that might make or break uh, someone's, you know, pitch to, you know, get published is what I'm gathering from what you're saying. Right. A very strong beginning and then take your time on the ending. Do not rush the ending because unfortunately, 
again, many people, I just think they become impatient and they rush the ending, <laughs> but do not rush the ending. Yeah, I know where, where you're coming from because, you know, whatever little short stories that I used to write, you know, back in the day, and I'm talking about uh, my early teenage years, uh, I would start off, you know, by taking my time for the, you know, beginning few paragraphs. But then even though it's a short story of say two pages, by the end, I would be like, oh, let's just, you know, get done with this thing. And I would just rush it. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of readers who would also, you know, maybe uh, concur with that. The tables have turned. Now you're an editor. So uh, would you be able to share an example of what a week, uh, you know, starting to a story would be like as compared to a strong beginning to a story? A week beginning of a story starts with a character in which there is no, the character has no motivation. They're not trying to accomplish anything. There's, there's nothing that they're trying to do. So weak beginning will be one of the classic ones, our character waking up. This is a very weak beginning. Our character is sitting down to do something that's mundane, like sitting down to eat, sitting down to drink coffee. Like this is the first paragraph of the story. The character is just doing something that's very ordinary. And these kind of things, uh, when you're trying to get someone's attention, you don't want to have a, a mundane opening to your story. You don't want to have a character waking up or anything like that. You want to have your character actively trying to accomplish something, actively trying to do something to pull the rear into your story. Week one are just characters that seem to have no goals, no, motiv no motivations, nothing they're trying to accomplish. Whereas a strong opening has a character that they want something, they're trying to do something, there's something that's important to you and you know immediately or as soon as possible what this is. That's actually a very strong opening to a story. A weak opening is a story that starts off in a bland location. So it starts off just in a room. It starts off just walking down the street. Whereas a strong opening starts off in a very unique location. Like there's something very interesting about where the character is. Uh, there's something very eye-catching, quote-unquote, when you're reading it, but something that just catches your attention, the reader's attention. So this is between a weak opening and a strong opening when you start your story. Uh, it should not be something that we do every single day. Um, and what I'm gathering from that also is that, you know, when we read, let's say, let's talk about, you know, uh, fiction, for example, right? I, I think that's the genre we are into. So if it's fiction, just like in the movies, it has to be having the element of expect the unexpected and something that fires the readers or the viewer's imagination. Am I in the right direction here? Right, that's definitely true. So I think the key takeaway would be any of us thinking of writing, you know, even a short story or a novel or whatever you might be at, make sure that you begin with something which is, you know, going to fire the imagination of your reader. And they are not just reading your words, but even seeing your words inside their brains. So that's a really good point, uh, Todd. Uh, now let's talk about, um, you know, the novel that you're writing. Uh, which is still in progress. So tell us a little more about that. This is the the third book in the Windshine Chronicles. And right now the title is most likely going to be Blood Stew. Uh, and it follows, the Windshine Chronicles follows a group of young men in Korea who are traveling in order to, um, they go on quests. And so they're trying to achieve these very big things. And the Windshine Chronicle is a metaphor for, it's really a metaphor for uh, writers, but it's a metaphor for anyone who's trying to achieve something that's well, quite big and quite significant. And then this long, long journey they have to take in order to achieve this thing and all these obstacles that come into their way. And that's the Windshine Chronicles. And right now I'm just working the third one, which again is probably going to be called Blood Still. So uh, when do you think you would be, you know, having this out, uh, you know, published and that people can start buying it? Uh, 
available for publish either December or January. So December of this year, January of next year, around that time. So there's quite a bit of time uh, until that comes out. But then, you know, I would encourage our listeners to, you know, go ahead and check out some of uh, Todd's work because, you know, that gives us an idea of not just, you know, a, a piece of fiction, but also a lot of experience and perseverance that has come through, you know, all these many years and uh, would give us an idea as to how do we, you know, also start off on our journey uh, with writing. And uh, that brings me to another one point that I've been thinking about myself, Todd. In today's time, you know, where, you know, people are literally uh, hungry for time with work taking most of, you know, the chunk of uh, time in, in a day. Do you still feel, you know, now that you're also an editor, do you still feel that there is still a market for, you know, hard copies, paperbacks, or are people more, you know, comfortable with ebooks? What is the future like, according to you? I think it's going to be a combination of both because uh, definitely there are many people who don't particularly like reading on ebooks. They don't like reading on a screen, particularly for long periods of time. And uh, people who are serious readers and actually buying books, so they want to actually spending a certain amount of money every year on books. A lot of them still enjoy uh, hardback books, so you need to keep that in mind. However, uh, the ebooks are just so much more convenient. Like for me, I only read ebooks because I can be on a train on the subway for an hour, and instead of having to carry a book in my hand, I simply look at my phone. And on my phone, I have dozens and dozens of books to choose from. So I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think uh, the hard, uh, the hardcover book is going to still have a market, and the ebook uh, of convenience is still going to have a market also. That's interesting, and I, you know, the more I think about this, I kind of feel that we're probably at that uh, transitionary stage where you know we are moving from an old technology, which is you know hardcover books, paperbacks. And then we are, you know, also having vision into uh, e-books and on our phones and e-readers and whatnot. So probably in the future, like the way I'm seeing it, it's quite possible e-books might be the way simply because of the convenience factor, right? I'm, I own an e-reader and I have over a thousand books in that. Uh, and I'm actually hooked on to that. But, uh, you know, in contrast, my wife, she prefers buying, you know, hardcover books. So we have, you know, both of them in the house. So uh, let's talk about, you know, when it comes to publishing an ebook compared to, you know, a hardcover book. So what, what are the major differences that people should, you know, basically understand? Pros and cons, maybe whatever insight you have. Well, I mean, they both come uh, at the same time. Uh, so if you do, a, well, okay, it, again, this is in America, so I can't really say it for all over the world. But in America, they both come at the same time. If you do an ebook, you're also going to do a hardback book uh, because many people actually go through Amazon now and Amazon produces both. Uh, they, don't, they don't tend to do one. And just as easy to produce both. It's not really difficult to produce one. So at least in America, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, both of them together. And I will also say that uh, when it comes to sales, what's really important for authors are author events, author readings, book signings, teaching, things like this. And at these events, uh, you're gonna have, there's actually gonna be books there, physical books, not, uh, not e-books, because if people want like a signature, you can't really sign an e-book, but you can sign a physical book. And that actually is a lot of sales. This is not like a small number of sales. So I think that 
again, at least in America, it's going to be, it's going to continue being a combination of both. It continue being a combination of ebooks and physical books because it's just, it's just simple. There's no, there's no extra effort in producing both of these mediums. And what is your take on self-publishing? I'm hearing that quite a bit. I will say that I don't. I won't advise anyone not to do it. But self-publishing has a lot of hurdles that I don't think people who do it think about before they get into it. Uh, doing anything solely by yourself is always going to be difficult when you don't have a support, any type of support group. Uh, trying to do cover by yourself, trying to do editing by yourself, trying to do marketing by yourself. These are very, very big things. And self-publishing, uh, you know, you have to coordinate all this stuff on your own. And then people self-publishers, self-publish, they have their jobs, they have their everyday jobs. And so, uh, unless you're going to dedicate a lot to your self-publishing, I don't think, I think it's going to be not as successful as people want. And if you are around writers, as often, I'm actually in quite a few writing communities, you see the disappointment. You see just the disappointment people self-publish and, you know, they, they might sell a handful of books in a year, but then they spent a lot of money in producing those handful of books. Uh, and I don't know, like, so I want, because so many people do it, I, I won't exactly advise them not to, but I will say that you are climbing significantly higher hurdles when you try to self-publish. So writing a book is a mountain by itself and then, you know, publishing it and getting it out there and ensuring that people buy it is a different, you know, mountain in itself. So you're not just, you know, up against one hurdle, you're, you know, up against several different hurdles if you're going down the path of uh, self-publishing is what I'm gathering from you. Yes, writing the book, I actually think that writing the book is a slightly smaller mountain than trying to market the book. I think marketing the book is a, a massive, massive mountain. Uh, writing the book, you know, writing the book you do on your own time. I mean, that's you and your computer, you and your pencil, you and your notebook. Uh, it's just up to you to devote time to, to getting that book down on paper. But marketing a book, this is you in the world. This is you and just a lot of other things. And this is not a small thing i mean this is a really really big deal so yeah i mean definitely writing is a smaller obstacle marketing is a significantly bigger obstacle amazing that perspective is really important uh you know and i like the way you're you know you put it across that writing is your own time you and the computer your imagination and you how you know sort of put it together but then marketing yeah i completely agree it's not a small thing. I mean, there's so much noise out there. Everyone, it's kind of like being at a convention where there's a lot of noise and then you try to call out to your friend and he's not able to hear you because there's so much of noise around. But then how do you get that attention? Which is a difficult task by itself. Exactly. Perfect. So I think we are almost, you know, close to the end of our time. Todd, I thank you so much for your time. This was such a short notice, but I appreciate how you know, sporty you are about it. Um, so uh, to our listeners, I would say I would uh, provide links to Todd's uh, resources. Uh, please check them out. Um, I would definitely check it out myself. And, you know, uh, hopefully I'll be able to publish to uh, one fine day. Uh, like many other people with a day job, even I'm trying to do something on my own time. Podcasting is one of those. Um, so overall, I would say all the very best to you, Todd, um, for your upcoming books. 
and i hope our listeners would have you know got a thing or two about publishing and how to basically be a successful author and the key being that you know just believe in yourself have a clear vision and keep at it don't stop don't muddle yourself because you're being rejected uh todd has you know started out very young but then he also had to spend a long duration of time facing rejections it is not easy i can assure you of that and i'm sure you know we could do a completely different podcast altogether just talking about those struggles but that's sort of for another day um all all in all the last thing i would like to say is make sure your beginning and ending are not lame let me just put it that way let it not be mundane it has to fire people's imagination people don't read words they see your words in their minds so fire up their imagination thank you so much start this was an amazing conversation um, we look forward to you know connecting with you again sometime in the future thanks everybody and thank you todd have a good day thank you all righty then that wraps up the episode and i hope you enjoyed it you know what they say the more the merrier go ahead and subscribe to the channel and share it among like-minded people this was the creative pod podcast that's all for now